What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on. Welcome man. to what Right and about? Wrong. This right, is the right show where we wrong. try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always over there is my friend and yours, the greatest producer east of the Mississippi River, my friends. His name is Producer Juice. We call him the truth box around these parts. Mr. Truth, what do you get to say to the people out there in the right and wrong audience today? Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Keep up the great work. Well, on today's show, we are locked and loaded as usual. We're going to be uh, playing a clip from our friend Savannah Hernandez, uh, where she did one of those man-on-the-street little interviews with a college kid, and the stuff is uh, its troubling. We're also going to visit a tweet from Greta Thunberg. How dare you? How dare you? And see how well that one aged. Uh, Senator Patty Murray from Washington uh, posts a video about the wage gap between the sexes. We'll break that one down. And what else? Yeah, Colin Kaepernick continues to profit off of his victimhood. Let's see what he had to do uh, this past week. And in our Come On Man segment of the day, we're going to go visit Dylan Mulvaney, the... Uh, Instagrammer, TikToker, social media influencer who has made a living now profiting off of his performance as a woman. Well, I guess that is a good little lead up to what we'll be working on. I do have to remind you guys to please subscribe to the show, tell a friend about us, share us around on your social media, and uh, drop a comment on there for us too if you don't mind. That stuff really helps and we really appreciate it. Well, I guess at this point... There's really nothing else to do except bring in our good friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 I know this isn't the most up-to-date pop culture reference, but I'm going to assume you've all heard of the movie Rudy before. It's the movie starring the asthma kid from the Goonies playing the guy who's determined to play football for Notre Dame. It's a classic inspirational sports movie. One that checks all the boxes. Work hard and follow your dreams even when everyone else calls you crazy? Check. Earn the respect of your tough love father and jerk brother? Check. 
overcome your fiance shacking up with your creepy brother while you're away pursuing a nice Catholic education as a student athlete? Check. And never giving up no matter how many times life smacks you in the face. Check. The older I get, the more I appreciate the way the Rudy character is portrayed as a player. He's a five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing pound nobody that has absolutely no business being on the same field with the other athletes. He ends up earning a job as a glorified punching bag for the main roster. That means he suits up at practice every day and helps the real team prepare for the upcoming opponent. Rudy gets beat up and bruised up, and it's clear he's never going to play in a real game. The part I appreciate is that he lets his actions do his talking when he's on the field. He shows up every day without fail, and he gives it everything he has. His heart, his grit, it eventually rubs off on the rest of the team. They all see how hard he works and what he does, and it helps motivate them. Rudy's hard work also catches the eye of the coaching staff. The coach eventually makes a promise to Rudy that he'll reward him by allowing him to dress for a game at some point in his senior year. I hope I'm not spoiling the plot for those of you who haven't actually gotten around to it yet. I guess I should have said spoiler alert when I started this, huh, Juice? (laughs) Well, anyways, in a dramatic turn of events, that coach who made the promise to Rudy doesn't return the following year when he was supposed to fulfill said promise. Not to be discouraged, Rudy continues to work hard and do his thing in the hope that the new man in charge will notice and hopefully honor that promise. When Rudy is left off the roster in advance of the last game that he could play, he's devastated. It's the first time in the movie that he actually quits. He doesn't want to show up to practice and he feels like all of his hard work was for nothing. Luckily, he gets a nice pep talk from a friend that he made along the way and he goes to practice where he receives a round of applause from his fellow teammates when he walks on the field. It actually does start as one of those classic slow claps in a movie, too. Really great scene. But the best scene in the movie comes when one of the star players on the team shows up in the coach's office. The player lays down his jersey on the coach's desk and tells him that he wants Rudy to play in his place at the upcoming game. He says that Rudy deserves it. The coach scoffs at the idea and tries to laugh it off. When he realizes the player is serious, he gets stern and tells him, You're an All-American and the team captain. Act like it. To which the player replies, I believe I am. He walks out of the room and a parade of players follow as they lay down their jerseys saying, This is for Rudy. The coach is forced to let Rudy dress for the game and it's because of Rudy's hard work and the fact that he earned the respect of the entire team with his actions throughout the film. Not his words, but his actions. It's that point of words versus actions that I'd like to focus on when it comes to my life and to Christianity. I've been reading from a daily prayer book that producer Juice grabbed for me for Lent, and one of the passages on this very topic stood out to me. The story is about how the crowd is calling for Jesus to be put to death because of what they heard about him. The point that's made in reflection to that story is how most of the people there calling for his death hadn't heard Jesus preach, and they didn't really know him. They just knew of him. It goes on to make the point that even today, most people that are critical of Jesus or of us Christians haven't really experienced Jesus themselves either. They've decided to judge Jesus from the sidelines. And if not from the sidelines, then they base how they judge Jesus by watching us, the ones following him. They hear our words. And words are important. Trust me, I understand that. Look at what I'm trying to do here with my words. But at the end of the day, talk is cheap. Words don't mean much unless we back them up with actions. We can all memorize the prayers that we recite at church. We can all pray when we need something from God. But how many of us can live our lives in the way that Jesus calls on us to live? 
Jesus calls on us to strive for perfection. He calls on us to be those beacons of light shining bright at the top of the hill. That takes a lot of effort, and frankly, there's also a lot of pressure that comes with that. Christianity is not a passive religion, and it's not a passive mission. We are responsible for spreading God's word throughout the world. It's important, and it's something I'm excited to do. Talking about it is the easy part. At least for me, it is. Living my life to a higher standard, that's difficult. And I'll be honest, I have a lot of ups and downs when it comes to that part of it. Those of us that are willing to be vocal about our faith will face closer scrutiny when it comes to our actions. Remember what that coach says to the player that sticks up for Rudy. You're an All-American and a team captain. Act like it. When that day comes that someone challenges me for being a Christian and a follower of Jesus and tells me to act like it, I pray that I'll be able to respond with, I believe I am. You ready, champ? I've been ready for this my whole life. Can you take us out on feet? All right, it's that time in the show where we get to focus on some rights and wrongs of the week. Let's get right to it. The first one on the docket for today is going to be a man on the street interview from independent reporter that the juice man discovered for us uh, a while back. But her name is Savannah Hernandez. Sav says she does a podcast and, you know, she's always popping up, grabbing good audio um, at all these different events. But definitely a strong conservative voice uh, loves to get people from the left saying uh, stupid things, ridiculous things in their own words. So definitely in that mold of a reporter, and we appreciate her hard work. So let's get right to it. She did, uh, like I said, an interview. It's a college kid. It's uh, it's just like, you know, a standard white-looking, you know, young college kid that she's interviewing, and it's just eye-opening what this kid says and then her response and you know, again, his, his whole viewpoint is just utterly absurd and, and it's scary that this is the next generation. So why don't we go right to the clip juice? You got it. All right, go ahead. Lay it on us, my man. I, I grew up as a white man and you're the exact opposite, you know? And so it's like, my experiences are going to be different from yours. How come? I think, uh, you know, there's a thing of like white privilege. Uh, what privileges do you have that I don't have? Oh, see, that's the question I keep asking myself because like in this day and age, like all the laws, I say all the laws, you know, I'm, it's hard to speak on something I'm not fully knowledgeable of. So like, I'm sorry if I like make a mistake uh, in saying this, but it's like, like, uh, hmm. Don't you think it's a problem in society when white people think that they have more privileges than brown or black people? Yeah, and I think that's sort of the agenda that's pushed off because personally, it's like, not that I think I'm more p- privileged than anyone else because I had to work to get where I was. Whoa, 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 let's stop right there. So he just told her a minute ago that he has more advantages than her because of white privilege. And then she she just, not even real pushback, just simply asked him to explain what that means. He has no idea what it means. He's he's stumped. He's like, ooh, uh you know, it's something I really don't know what to, what to speak on. I'm not versed in that, or, or you know, I need to need to get more educated. Whatever he said, like he he just he doesn't know what he's saying. He just knows that's what he is supposed to say. So any little bit of question about it, then he doesn't know how to defend it. It's just a it's just a talking point that he's heard. White privilege, 
And then he starts going on to explain how he doesn't have white privilege because he worked hard to get to where he is. And exactly. Yes, that's the point, you jackass. Let's let him keep going. So why do you have that mentality immediately where you, you know, kind of apologize to me? Like, let's talk about privilege. Let's talk about I'm a white man in America, so we could have grown up differently. Why, why is that your first initial reaction to me as a brown woman? Wow, you're getting me good. See, these are the kind of conversations that I love having. Um, and I think it comes from a place of like, uh, I wouldn't say caution, but like in this day and age, people are so quick to judge and react and cancel. And so I guess it's that, that like caution to go into an interview like this. I'm like, I, I don't know where we're at, but now I know where we're at and I can like uh, go for real. Wow. You hear that? Caution. No, it's not caution, young man. It's you've been beaten down and you're, you're trained like a, like a dog in society to just go along with that narrative. You've been trained. You've been slapped on the wrist. You've been, you've been put in a corner and taught that you are not allowed to share your opinion because you are a white man in today's world. So you, you, the guy says he loves to have these conversations. He wants to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he does, like the rest of us. What do you think I'm doing here today? I'm always encouraging that, that we should be talking about stuff like this more often instead of just avoiding the topic and talking about the weather all the time or just, oh, you know, oh, work's great. Oh, I got, got this, that, or the other thing, like, or whatever. Like, we waste our time on so many other things. Sports is another one. I know I talk about sports. I still like sports to a degree, but how much time is wasted on just, you know, normal, just kind of low-key, boring mundane chit chat a ton of it is but i'm a big proponent of i think we should talk a little bit more about real world issues real things going on when we are gathered amongst friends and family and this that and the other thing i think that would be lead to a much stronger healthier um community and society and world that we live in it would help people think a little bit more help people understand how to relate to each other and communicate with each other without flying off the handle and breaking down and crying and being so disturbed by a thought. But this young man here, he's so afraid to share his actual opinion that he just says, oh, I'm a, I'm a white man who's, um, you know, benefited from white privilege. And he's talking to, you know, Savannah Hernandez. Clearly, she's, you know, brown skinned reporter here with a microphone in his face. And she's like, why is that different? You're better than me because you're white. And he's like, uh, 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 it starts to, starts to back down. Cause he doesn't, he, he doesn't really believe that he's just, like I've said, been trained like a lap dog to say, rehearse the, the, the catchphrases. He's been trained to say it over and over again. This is what you have to say. It's scary stuff. And, that interview is awesome because it, it just happens right there in real time. You see how quickly it, it just breaks down under pressure. It it completely folds. It's like Joe Pesci and uh, my cousin Vinny. Does the does the prosecution's case hold water? <laughs> Next, that's that's one of the great stereotypes is that we're all Kennedys living on Martha's Vineyard. Aren't the majority of white people sitting in cubicles, not living their dream, drowning in a sea of f- debt, trying to get health insurance? Isn't that the majority of f- white people? 
Evidently not. Evidently, according to this guy, white people have yachts. <laughs> All right. This one quickly is just a funny little observation about Greta Thunberg. Remember the little girl? The how dare you? How dare you? Over climate change nonsense. Well, now she's not a little girl anymore. She's a young adult and she doesn't know what to do with her life. Like she just keeps, you know, she pops up getting, you know, arrested at these activism, climate nonsense protests that they have here and there. And she's not quite as cute anymore and not not quite as as, you know, the message isn't isn't quite there anymore because, again, she's a young adult. She's not this this 14 year old girl telling all these adults, how dare you anymore? So um, she's still trying to remain relevant, whatever. I think her whole shtick is ridiculous. But the funny thing that I'd like to mention is um, five years ago, she tweeted out um, something about how the world was going to end in 2023 if we didn't do anything, if we didn't change the ways that we are living in. We wouldn't be here anymore. And now, you know, five years later, now that it is 2023, she just recently tried to subtly delete that tweet. And of course, that couldn't happen. We had to notice. So, uh, you know, maybe you've also heard about this other places. It has made the rounds a little bit. But I just think it's funny that that's the whole thing that these climate activists do. She was just stupid enough to make it a five-year window. Most of them know enough to be like, oh, uh, you know, your great, great, great grandkids aren't going to be here anymore. Uh, the world is going to be all undersea. We'll be living in Kevin Costner's water world by the year 3082 if we don't act now, if we don't change our ways now and give the government much more control and take more money from you and your taxes to go green. We have to do that now because, you know, climate change. Like I said, they're smart enough to put it off to some obscure date that we're never going to see, so we can't call them on it. But poor Greta only did it five years in advance. It's like that time uh, my man producer Juice was so convinced that the world was going to end in 2012 because the Mayan calendar stopped in 2012. He had a couple of bets out with people. I think that's part of the reason he moved to Georgia. There were still people trying to collect on that one. He was going around betting people a couple hundred bucks a piece that, hey, the world's going to end in 2012. So come January 1st, 2013, when people started uh, trying to collect from him, that's about the time he hightailed it down south and uh, started strapping up there with all of his uh, all of his weapons and ammo down there in GA. He wants to make sure no one's coming looking for that Mayan money. But <laughs> Greta did the same thing. She fell trapped. Uh, she fell fell into the trap of not projecting it out far enough where no one would be able to call her on it. So just found that one kind of interesting. Next. Deleted. All right. This one's going to be Senator from uh, Washington State, Patty Murray. And she put out a message um, in support of, you know, eliminating the wage gap between men and women and I don't know. That That's one. I don't have the time to go into it all right now, but I, I think that has been over uh, blown. The difference there, there's many different factors for why there is some gap in pay. Um, you know, not again, not to go down that road, but some factors like 
the professions that are chosen, um, you know, the amount of time in the workforce, the um, careers that are being pursued, that type of stuff. All these types of things factor into it. So it's definitely overblown. It's not the way that the left tries to perceive it to be. They, they, they try to make you think that, you know, everything being equal, a man and a woman walks in for job interviews. They're going to offer the man $100,000 and the woman seventy five grand. That's not the case. Not anymore, at least. If that did happen at some point, it's long gone. That's in the same days as um as like the the Jim Crow blatant racism type of stuff. It just doesn't happen anymore. You can't tell me that's happening in twenty twenty three. If anything, there's women getting getting career advances much quicker than they, they should at times because every corporation in America now wants a woman to be the head CEO of it or you know, it it I hate to lump women in with all of it but it they are it's it's every victimhood class it's you're either um they want a woman at the head they want a gay person at the head they want a trans person at the head of the company any company that that promotes that way or has something like that they they're gonna benefit um socially with social currency by having somebody in those roles so it benefits them these days to promote you know a woman over a man again some people might say hey that's deserved at this point. Flip the rolls around. Whatever. Again, not here to debate that part. But let's hear what um, Senator Murray had to say about the topic, okay? Juice, you got that clip? Let's be clear. We may say 77 cents on the dollar, but we aren't just talking about pennies here. We are ultimately talking about huge, life-changing amounts of money that women are not getting paid because of a system of laws that lets their employers take advantage of them. Because we know when a woman is paid less today, the damage to her economic security can stretch far into the future. Getting paid less than your counterparts hour after hour, year after year, really adds up. I gotta tell you, women are sick of being shortchanged. They deserve better, they deserve equal pay, and we're gonna keep fighting until they get it. Hey, great job there, Senator Murray, great job. I don't know about you guys. Um, I hate to take shots at people. I really do. But she looks eerily similar to Tom Petty. And that really scares me. I don't I don't like that so much. But anyways, um, fortunately for Senator Murray, she's also a major supporter of trans rights, which means by allowing men to pretend to be women, they will help raise that gap that she sees out there. So um, when somebody like Richard Levine who was living and being paid as a man and then decided that he was now a woman, you know, when he does that, he's not asked to trade in his salary, his his man salary for a woman salary. Now he's able to keep that man salary. So, you know, luckily Senator Murray, you can ride the coattails of men that decide to be women and follow them into helping even out that gap that you see in the pay there. So, um, I guess you should be thanking, the Richard Levines of the world because, you know, he just brought that man salary over into a woman's place for you. So, you know, we're getting there day by day, day by day. You're going to get closer and you're going to close that gap, Senator Murray. Um, and how can somebody sit there and make comments like she just made? I'm obviously being tongue in cheek with what I'm saying there about Richard Levine and that nonsense. But think about this. That woman can sit there and complain and and tell you that women aren't being treated fairly they're being underpaid compared to their male counterparts 
in the next breath, she's going to sit there and support trans rights and a man's right to dress up like a woman and be given the rights and privileges that she's advocating for only women to receive. That's absurd. Like, how, how could she support those two things? Her very support of men dressing as women in, in the trans agenda and movement, her support of that is actually making life more difficult for real women. It's actually downplaying the role of a woman in society. She doesn't see any difference between the two. How can she support one and, and still support the other? They contradict each other. That's the absurdity of the left in, in the ridiculousness that this transgender nonsense puts people in. Next. You do math like a All right, so have you guys heard this uh, Colin Kaepernick story? That jackass continues to profit off of his victimhood. Remember, he was happy to play in the NFL when he was a starting quarterback. You know, when he was succeeding at his job, he was fine. All of a sudden, he got benched for poor play because he just wasn't that good. And that's when he decided to become an activist, start nailing and doing all that stuff. Whole long story short, I guess I don't need to get into it. I was going to kind of recap his entire sorry, pathetic career, but I think you guys know the deal by now. He's just a, like I said, a jackass who turned himself into a victim and used race as a way to prop himself up. And he hasn't looked back ever since. He has no interest in ever wanting to play for the NFL. Hasn't for a long time. Just likes to pretend that he's not given a chance because of his outspoken activism. Not the case. He's not given a chance because he's not that good and he doesn't want to play. So that's what's happening there. But anyways, he wrote a graphic novel and he, of course, makes himself. It's the He's the main character and it it's supposed to be what it was like for him growing up, going through high school and this, that, and the other thing. And the stuff that stood out is... How disrespectful and pathetic he treats his parents. So if you don't know, Mr. Kaepernick was born to a white woman and uh, has a black father. Father was never in the picture. Woman gave him up for adoption when she had him. So his parents, his biological parents, didn't want anything to do with him. He was taken in. He was adopted by this couple that raised him that he considers his parents he calls them his parents and in this graphic novel he completely throws them under the bus calls them racist and thinks that you know he still has a chip on his shoulder nowadays now as an adult because as a child as a high schooler his white adopted adoptive mother told him not to wear cornrows because they made him look like a thug and he's telling this story to a reporter who's like horrified by it. Oh, how could they say that to you? And he's happy to sit there and make them look like, you know, portray them as racists and stuff like that and act like he's had this difficult life where and in reality, he should be grateful to these people for taking him in and raising him properly. He wouldn't have gotten an opportunity to play in the NFL if he wasn't adopted by these people. Think about all the hard work and sacrifice they had to do to support him to to pay for all of his activities to put in the time and effort to take him to practices and to to help him follow his dream 
and he comes around and and throws it in their face like that. And again, like it's it's such a a race baiting thing. Oh, okay, he's a half black guy who who put his hair into cornrows and is you know his his racist uh, systemically racist racist in her bones without her knowing it. Mother tells him he can't wear cornrows because he he would look like a thug. And I'm sorry, what parent out there? agrees with the way their kid tries to look when they're in high school. How many of you out there listening were told not to have mutton chops by your parents in the in the 70s, 60s, or whatever that was? Told to cut that hair, right? Every generation deals with that stuff. Now, just because this guy tried to, because it happened to be cornrows, which are worn by black people, and it was a, a white mother, now it's a big issue. That's, that makes it look even worse. But how many how many parents out there shave? You need to shave again. Cut that hair. You're never going to be taken serious. How are you going to get a job with with those piercings like that? Oh, you're going to get a tattoo that people can see? No way. Not under this roof. That's normal. That's called being a parent. And he's trying to make it sound like these people are racist. And it's all for his profit and his ego and his victimhood. What a disgrace that guy is. Next. All right, and that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. Thank you so much for tuning into those. And uh, stick around for the last segment where we'll wrap things up with our Come On, Man segment of the day. All right, it is that time in the show where we like to grab some somebody out there that said something, did something, or acts like something totally ridiculous that even though we're going to rip on them here and kind of point and laugh and make some observations, we really don't have anything else to say to them except, come on, man. That's just how absurd and ridiculous they are. So that's the uh, idea behind this segment. That's what we're going to roll with. And I guess for this one, let's talk about Woman face wearer, Mr. Dylan Mulvaney. Now, if you haven't heard about Mr. Dylan, I'm sure you have because we have talked about him quite a bit on this show. But he is a social media influencer. Coconut water. Love it. Not an ad. Just love it. Uh, TikToker, whatever, Instagrammer, whatever you want to call him. (laughs) Who, a year ago, decided to transition from being a man into being a woman. And he decided to document this journey by posting a video every day and doing something to declare that this was his journey into being a woman. So, you know, we played the one at some point where it was like day 52 of being a woman. And it's him prancing around in the woods talking about like nature, love it, leaves, trees, love them, like doing all this stuff. He's just being an absolute character of what he thinks a woman is. And he did that throughout the throughout the process. Day 102 of being a woman and talks about how he now is dressed like a woman, has a mini skirt on, but still has a bulge where his penis is and how other people should not be staring at that and making it awkward for him. They need to accept that. That was the point of a video at one point along this journey. Um, Mr. Dillon got to meet President Unity at one point and go to the White House. He has enjoyed quite a bit of attention and prominence since he started doing this ridiculous routine that he does. And 
From what I understand, Dylan was a struggling actor before doing this. So this is all performative art, in my opinion. And it's somebody with a complete delusion and you know mental illness that continues down this journey. It seems to me like it's somebody who would seek fame and fortune no matter what the cost, even if it means mutilating his body and turning himself into something he, he's not in order to get the recognition, fame, and fortune that comes along with that because he does have, you know, huge amounts of money coming in from sponsorships and things like that. So, again, this is all done by a man calling himself a woman, dressing up like a woman, changing his face, having plastic surgery to look more like a woman. That's what this person's been doing. And like I said, documenting the entire journey the whole way. So Dylan finally hit day number 365, so one year. And through this huge party, uh, looks like a gala that he had for himself with all these people there. And, you know, it's a, the whole thing is a performance. So what we would like to do is play you a little snippet of what Dylan was saying uh, at his gala. And this was right on the heels of um, him sharing clips of all the people that I like on this show, the Matt Walsh's, Michael Knowles, Ben Shapiro's, Candace Owens, pretty much a hit piece from the Daily Wire. He played clips of them to, to the audience here, all criticizing him, being critical of him, and basically calling it for what it is, him doing the same thing as blackface, just as a woman. He's doing woman face. So there are all snippets of clips like that, and then this is Dylan's response to his critics out there. Juice, you got that? My love, they want to silence us. They want to silence us and keep us in the matrix. Well, I think we've established that I really like to talk, so I don't think they're going to have the best luck silencing me. (laughs) Truthfully, I don't know what their goal is. But I do know how they make me feel now that I've built up a thicker skin. It doesn't hurt me. Do you want to feel how it feels? Do you want to know, know that it doesn't hurt me? Do you want to hear about the deal I'm making? My response going forward? It's not over-explaining myself. It's not pleading. It's, um, it's not expecting kindness from someone who has no kindness to give. My response is in the next joyous video that I make. That's my response. And if I only could, I'd make a deal with God, and I'd get him to swap our places. Can we pause there? I'm going to say something that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I'm trying really hard to maintain a relationship with God. And I don't think that he made a mistake with me. Um, and that maybe one day I will actually be grateful for being trans. That this isn't some curse, but it's just a different path to the same destination. Be running up that road. Be running up that hill. Be running up that building. 
my God. You guys should be lucky that this is audio only and you did not have to watch that, too. What a joke. So rehearsed. Not, I mean, ugh, the, the voice is horrible, too. That is bad. I think I sounded better singing that Wizard of Oz remake last week. Ouch. In the fake crying in between. Ugh. The the singing into into the talking monologue in between. Ugh. This is what Dylan thinks being a woman is. It's all a performance. It's all a show. And talking about God there, he doesn't think God made a mistake with him. Yeah, he's probably right. God made you a man. God didn't make you a trans person. You made yourself a trans person. God made you a man, Dylan. You're the one who's not going along for the plan. You're the one who's deciding to play God yourself and disfigure yourself and sell your body, your mind, and your soul for a little bit of fame, a little bit of money, a glimmer of hope that somebody will think you are a somebody when really you're a nobody, just like the rest of us. We're all nobodies in the great grand scheme of things. We're children of God, and that's it. You've decided to, again, give up your place in God's kingdom to mutilate, to harm, to drag others down with you into Satan's journey. Think about how many people you're influencing, how many kids you're influencing with this nonsense that you're going to hurt and damage the rest of their lives as well. You have a platform, and that is powerful. And you're using that platform for evil. And you're making yourself the whole show. And in the end, you're going to be left sad, lonely, and frightened because you're not doing God's work. You're not doing the right thing. You're doing evil in a world of evil. And you're being encouraged to do that. Again, I do think you have some sort of mental illness. So I feel bad for you. I do. I I pity what you must be going through, but you're choosing to drag others into it with you. You're choosing to put yourself out there to the rest of the world like this. And you're hiding behind the fact that you're going to pretend to be insulted when people are critical of you. We're critical of you because you're, you're putting it out there and you're influencing others and you're profiting off of this. You are literally selling your soul to the devil for 15 minutes of fame. And we're not going to stop telling you that that's wrong. We're not going to stop pointing it out when you say and do ridiculous things. And quite frankly, I'm not going to stop making fun of you when you prance around and parade around and sing in this ridiculously choreographed, rehearsed performance. So Dylan Mulvaney, the man who thinks he's a woman going around wearing woman face, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review. Like and share the show. Drop us a comment on there, too, if you don't mind. We really like to see those. And uh, I guess I got nothing else to say to you except thanks for having me. Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. 
Right and Wrong song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.